because data sets can be really huge, it's really hard to design without that data. Hi, everyone. Welcome and thank you for joining me. My name is Franco Variano, and I'll be your host for the Tech Plus Art podcast. Tech Plus Art is the community for curious individuals and creators who are looking to make a dent in the universe. Together, we're exploring the new frontiers of creativity, humanity, and how emerging technologies will continue to shape our culture, professions, products, and much more. Join me on this journey as we speak with artists, makers, researchers, designers, and creators from all backgrounds and fields. Tech Plus Art is an inclusive community and we make all our content for you. So we wanna hear from you. If you've got any suggestions, topics you'd like us to explore or contribute to yourself, let us know on Twitter or via the website. You can check us out at maketechart.com or at maketechart everywhere else. So with that said, let's get to today's episode. Today we're speaking with Shirley Wu, an award-winning creative focused on data-driven art and visualizations. Shirley joins us to share her story, her insight into the data visualization process, how the industry has evolved and been shaped as it continues to grow, her collaboration on the Data Sketches project, and much more. Shirley has created a lot of really amazing work, and I highly recommend checking out her profile online and on Twitter in the show notes below. So let's get started. Hey, Shirley, thanks so much for being on the show today. Hi, Franco. Thank you so much for having me on the show today. Yeah, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. Very formal introduction. Um, but yeah, <laughs> like I, I want to dive in and explore like a ton of, of, you know, what you do, your work, how you think about your creative process. But before we get to all that, can you tell us a little bit about you? You know, where are you from? What was it like growing up? That kind of stuff. Yeah, I'm actually kind of excited about this question because usually people are like, oh, how did you get to data visualization? I don't think anybody's ever been like, how did you grow up? So I'm pretty excited to answer this one. So um, I have a relatively interesting background, I think, in that I grew up along the Pacific. So I was born in the Philippines. My parents are Chinese. So I lived in China for two years, Japan for six years. And then I moved to the U.S. when I was 10 settled in Southern California, went to school in Northern California, ended up settling in San Francisco after college. And all of that means it's been very interesting to grow up to have my primary years in an Eastern culture that's like quite rigorous and strict academically. And then my middle school and my basically the rest of my education in a Western culture, which I love for like its independent and creative thinking. And I think that's probably informed my path a lot in that I love blending those two kind of like growing up I loved math um, because both my parents were like very science heavy but I also really loved art I did art growing up and when I went to college I decided to study business because I was like this is something completely new that I have no understanding of and I'm honestly really tired of math and science and then two years later I was like oh this is really not for me I'm gonna go back to math and science got a computer science minor because I just really ended up falling in love with coding. Like I think just like math, the logical part of it made a lot of sense to me. I loved it. And when I graduated, I happened to just kind of luck out and get my first full-time job at a big data company on their front end team. The thing that they were trying to do, this was back in 2012. So they were just trying to figure out more of their dashboards, more of their like visualizations. And they were using something called high charts at the time, which I think was like a proprietary library and they were considering switching to D3 
which is a JavaScript library for creating visualizations on the web. And they were like, hey, you just got here. Do you want to give this a try? And I was like, sure. And that's how I got my first introduction to data visualization. And I ended up really loving it just because I felt like it really blended all the things that I loved growing up of like art and math and code. That's really cool. So can you talk to me about like some of those early days, like just being introduced to, you know, D3 and what was the web like in in 2012 and what kind of drove you towards some of those first visualizations? What were they like? Well, 2012, jQuery was still a huge thing. I hear that it's still a huge thing elsewhere, but I think I'm in the Silicon Valley bubble, so we haven't like used it in 10 years. And ooh, there was, um, what's that uh, styling library that came out of Twitter? Bootstrap was a yeah. huge thing. And then D3 had just come out in 2011. It was extremely new and nobody really knew, at least nobody at my company really knew what to do with it. And so actually, I think my very first assignment was to like just create this like tree structure for editing like like an xml based tool that we had internally and so that was that was like my first foray into d3 but definitely there was nobody else in my company that was using it and so i started relying very heavily on this local meetup called bay area d3 user group and back then it was a small like very com- it's, it's still quite like a small community feel but like it would be you know 20 or 30 people gathering together being like this is such a new library we don't know what how do we use it and so it felt quite exciting at the time and I think that's what drew me to it because I remember my first year in San Francisco doing my full-time job I tried to go to a bunch of meetups to try and get a feel of like different communities that maybe I can join I went to like a lot of web dev meetups and I went to a lot of kind of UI UX design meetups and they've all felt really really big and they all felt really intimidating Like as a fresh 22-year-old fresh grad, I was just like in a corner, feeling too scared to talk to anyone. And then I would just like go home after every one of these meetups feeling kind of like socially drained and kind of sad. And the D3 meetup was actually one of the, probably the very first and only one that was like very small and very intimate and like was extremely friendly. Actually like came up to me and was like, hey, like what's your name? You know, what brought you here? And I love that about the community and how like welcoming and helpful it was. And I think that's other than the fact that I think D3 and what I later learned of it as being data visualization, not only was it kind of from an implementation perspective, what I really enjoyed, but also the community around it locally was just so welcoming that I think that's what got me personally into it. It's super cool. It's always good to look back at and have that little bit of nostalgic sentiment about, you know, the, the types of people in the environment and all that stuff that gets you started. Yeah. And we tried to like, I started helping organize a few years ago, I'm not as active now, but whenever we do hold an event, we all try to, as the organizers do that. Like if we see a new face, we'll be like, Hey, what's your name? Like, welcome. And I really love that atmosphere. Yeah. Absolutely. That's awesome. And so like over the years, you know, since then, how have you seen the types of projects that you're able to do with some of this technology or that you are tackling? How has that changed or evolved? It's evolved a lot because I guess, wow, it's been like almost eight years. I haven't thought of how long it's been. But I think in early days, I guess a lot of what we were trying to do is like, we were just still trying to figure out the technology. And I think a lot our wins or what we were really proud about is like, we would get really excited if we got a new sort of like visualization form that maybe if a charting library shipped with like a tree and, you know, like a node graph or something like I personally would get a lot of enjoyment from just the technical achievement of implementing something new on top of 
that are something new, like beyond what the libraries provided. And I think a lot of my peers, I saw a lot of my peers feel like be really impressed with any projects that push the boundary of the technology. So I think in the early days, seeing what the library could do for us, as well as like seeing what SVG and Canvas could do for us. So I think a lot of the focus used to be on the technology and charting and like in different charts and exotic charts. And then I think maybe it reached a maturity. Don't quote me on this. I'm not a historian, (laughs) but maybe around like 2015, 2016, I started seeing like a slowdown because I think by then there's so much progress that had been made that like it became less and less about the technical impressiveness of a project or of a visualization. And then I think it became more about how we kind of paid attention to the end user. Like I think it sort of became like a, even if it's like a very simple visualization, maybe it's not technically impressive or putting pushing any boundaries. Does it convey a clear moving message to the end user or the end reader. And I think it started becoming more about trying to figure out the design of it, the story of it, or how it fits into different industries. Because I think around 2016, 2017 was around when people were like, oh, like data viz is not just like a specialized niche thing that, you know, maybe like some data scientists use, or maybe some very niche web devs like to do. It's like actually a thing that can potentially help businesses make decisions on top of what might be already happening with data science or data analysis, or it's like a very powerful communication tool for like journalists to get their points across with like huge data sets. And I I feel like I started seeing that shift then and really trying to figure out how does this fit into the industries that different people work in and how could we kind of get it to a point that it's like widely accepted within a company. That's my personal recounting and is 100% biased by the fact that I started out in Silicon Valley with like very like tech-centered glasses. It might just be that all of this was happening all along and I just had to like get out of the Silicon Valley bubble to see it. So that's the kind of asterisk disclaimer of this is just my personal experience. But I think it makes sense. I think, you know, like once people are done kind of exploring what it can do, you know, it sort of matures Mm -hmm. to the point where we say, okay, like now how can you drive adoption and understanding and and a little bit, you know, more like a standard experience, which which is what, you know, it sounds like you're you're talking about, which I think always happens, you know, after that expansion of of possibilities in terms of tools and ideas and everything. And then once, you know, you kind of pick out the, these are the best ways of doing it. Let's, let's kind of stabilize and and really drive it forward as a profession, as a a medium for uh, expression and communication, like you were pointing out. Yeah, that's, a much better summary. Thank you. <laughs> I guess through some of that, you know, expansion and, and you know, then standardization across the industry, like what, I guess, is your creative process or workflow like for different clients? And maybe as a second part to that question, what types of projects would illustrate, I guess, some of that process or, or workflow? So we typically tend to explain data viz projects in kind of like these two buckets or like linear scale between on one end, I think there's what I described as for like business analytics, and that's maybe a little bit more dashboardy. It's very exploratory. It has the intent of it is for some group of stakeholders, usually within the business to explore the data set and help them make informed decisions. And I feel like that's, that's on one end. And the other end is the data-driven journalism. It's usually like a more static 
data set that the journalists have already explored and they want to tell a very specific story with it and communicate it to a very general audience. I think it's a gradient on there, but I think those are the two kind of opposite sides. And I tend to very much love working on the more story side of things. I tend to love looking at a data set, trying to pull out all the interesting things that I can then form into like a visual story. So the way I approach both would be very different, but the way that I like to approach the story part, and this has taken me like years to kind of figure out what works for me, because I think data visualization can be quite hard in that to create a full project, you need to have a lot of different skill sets. So you need to be able to do the data analysis, you need to be able to do the design and the prototyping. And the design is usually beyond what a design major or like a curriculum might teach. I think they're changing that these days, but a lot of times the traditional design classes might not have as much on information design and data visualization design is all about information design. And then there's the coding part of it. And that could be for the web for, and then you have to be able to figure out how to write and tell a good story. That's like a lot of different um, skill sets. And I'm definitely stronger in some than others. And I think a lot of people are that way. And so over the years, I've kind of figured out a particular process that helped me. It's not a very linear process, but usually I start with like the data analysis. And for me, that usually involves looking at the data set, trying to formulate some questions of my curiosities, and then putting that into simple charting libraries to visually see if my hypotheses are correct. And then once I have some good, interesting things pulled out, I'll kind of try and figure out how to bring that into like a design that makes sense. And while I'm working on the design, because it's very hard to design something for data and like a Photoshop Illustrator mock-up sort of thing. So I'll usually design with code in that like I'll start prototyping and coding. I'll start also working on the story at the same time and bringing all of those together. So basically my process is I do the data analysis and then I do everything else. There's a lot to unpack there. And I mean, we could probably talk for like three or four episodes just based on a few things that, that I heard you say in there. But maybe if I can narrow in on like the storytelling. Yeah aspect with the design. So can you share some examples of some projects that you've worked on where the storytelling element was the centerpiece? Let's start there. Probably one of my personal favorites thus far is I did a visualization on Hamilton the Musical now like four years, actually like three years ago, back in 2016. That was the very first time I tried to do a story-driven visualization. Before that, all of my visualizations were kind of like just showing the data and I wasn't trying to like tell any story. For the Hamilton one, it was the first time I decided, okay, like I want to try this thing called scrolly telling. Around 2016, 2015 was like this thing called scrolly telling was starting to become really popular. And what scrolly telling is, is when a visual story, the progression of the visual story is tied to the actual of scrolling for a person. So I was like, I'm going to write a story and I'm going to make it a scrolly time. I love the name. I never knew that it actually had a technical <laughs> term. I just thought it was like some sort of parallax, you know, stacking effect or scrolling effect, but I love scrolly telling. That's amazing. Thank you. I have no idea who coined it. It's, it's a great name. I don't know if it's a technical term, but I guess within the data of this community, we like accept it as the term. What I learned from that experience is writing is really 
hard and that trying to pair it with visuals and trying to figure out how to time my explanations to what's happening in my visualization is really, really hard. And so I guess for that particular project, like a passion project, because I was just really obsessed with the musical. It's a very, very detailed story that I don't think I can condense into a few minutes, but I have a whole write-up about the whole creative process of that project on one of my project websites called datasketch.es. So that project is a amalgamation of projects. um, And for each project, my friend Nadia and I, we have like a process write-up of how we created the whole project. So for anyone that's interested, that would be a very detailed account of what happened. Yeah, absolutely. No, we'll definitely link to it. I, I did explore it and it was really cool and really well done and you know laid out, explained really nicely. So we'll definitely make sure that we link to that. So another thing I wanted to pull out of a comment you made a few moments ago was designing with code. Can you yeah. talk to us a little bit more about that process or that specific part of the process, I guess, after you've done the data analysis and what are the tools and kind of how do you do the prototyping at that stage? Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, definitely. Thank you for picking up on that because I feel like I didn't explain it so well the first time around. I think what I was trying to get at is I think there's a typical design process that we have in our minds that like maybe a designer working on a website, they might like open up like Sketch or they might open up any of the other tools that like then lays out different UI components or maybe they'll do it visually in Illustrator or something. And the point I was trying to get at is because data sets can be really huge, it's really hard to design without that data. And so the way that I like to approach it is once I have something and um, my two primary tools, also because I don't have as much training in like those sort of mock-up tools like Sketch. So my two primary tools is a sketchbook. And nowadays it's just my iPad with a sketch noting app called Paper by 53. And then I'll just like jot down my ideas. Like I'll just sketch out really generally what the visualization might look like, really extremely rough. And then these days I like using an online platform called Observable Notebook. And that's that's kind of like Python's Jupyter Notebooks, but online. And that just kind of helps me quickly code up some visualization without having to worry about all of the like build tool process that goes into developing for the web. And so usually I'll iterate between those two things, my iPad and observable notebook. Or sometimes if I feel like the visualization is going to be complex enough, I'll just like start a new project and I'll start a local web dev instance and just go directly start prototyping in there. And I'll usually use D3 and I'll usually use Vue. And those are the two JavaScript libraries I use. That's super cool. Over the time inside the, the data viz or the creative tech industry at large, like how have you seen that industry? evolve? How have you seen technologists and and different individuals incorporate data visualization into their work? I don't know if I can answer specifically for kind of creative technology based specifically, but what I've noticed is that because data visualization is quite a new field, and I think making data visualization for the web is an even newer field of like about the last 10, 15 years, that almost everybody so far has come from a different field. And only now in the last few years have we seen actually undergrad and graduate programs pop up that's specifically to do with data 
data visualization. And in the last few years, now people can graduate with like a master's in data visualization. They have like very formal training in data visualization. But before that, most of us came from like, for example, I came from software. Like I have friends that came from like astronomy that like went into, you know, like data science and then made it to data visualization. I have my friends that like, you know, went from architecture that came from astrophysics. A lot of people from computational biology Basically, I think we get a lot of people from fields where there's a lot of data, and then they realize the best way to try and make sense of all of this, like huge amounts of data is by visualizing it. And so in that sense, I think we have gained more and more prominence because we have more and more data and more and more people trying to like make sense of the data. So I actually have this kind of description of like data visualization versus data art versus generative art in the sense that visualization has to be like very practical. You're trying to convey information and just like statistics, if you use a wrong chart or if you label the axes incorrectly or you use the wrong scale, it's very easy to mislead and misinform someone. So visualization is a very practical, very, I don't want to say strict. There's a lot of responsibility to make sure that you're communicating as accurately as possible. Whereas like data art is the practice of taking a data set and using that to generate something, but for an artistic purpose. And then you don't have to worry as much about making sure that everything's correct. It's like more for the beauty of it. And then generative art, I think of as very similar, but instead of a specific data set, you're using randomly generated numbers. And so in terms of like creative tech, I have seen some people come from like the generative art side and like dabbled in like data art. So I know that you have Matt. I love all of his generative art. And I remember he did a piece that was the cities, the crystal cities, I think. And I know that that was based on data. Like it was still mostly randomly generated to make it look beautiful. But I think the height of the crystals were based on the heights of buildings in the cities that he was like generating. And so that was kind of like the way I've seen people come in from the art side. I've noticed that art people don't want to touch the visualization part of like, like, Mm. it's quite strict. That's super interesting. Yeah. I've never I've never had that perspective. I really like the way you, you broke that down. Super interesting. Thank you. And so maybe on that note, you know, if somebody is looking to kind of get started with one of those three buckets, or maybe, you know, the the portions that, that you spend a lot of time thinking about, are there any resources that you can point somebody towards? Like, where would somebody get started? I know you mentioned that now it's becoming, you know, more of a formalized thing where people can go to school for it. But if you, you know, are maybe coming at it from a different domain, what resources would you point out to help somebody get started with one of those three areas? Yeah, that's a really great question. And I think this is like a testament to how much it has grown as an industry and a practice, which is that uh, last, I think, February, some of my friends launched a community called the Data Visualization Society. And they saw like a huge increase in their membership from the very beginning. So, and, and I think they're at over 10,000 members now. And their mission and focus was to provide an online community and a place where they can gather resources so that it's easier for people just starting out to get started. Because I think what happened with our community is that because almost everybody came from different places, we benefited from like free resources that people before us have put out. There's a lot of really great online resources out there on how 
how to get into data visualization, how to get started with different tools, how to get started with the design process. But they're all like spread out around the internet because we come from different countries. We come from like different backgrounds. And so it's like spread out on like individual people's websites, maybe, or like different learning platforms. One of the biggest missions of Data Visualization Society was to gather those resources and then have a centralized place and a community to kind of like help foster you through that. So all of that is to say, I think they've been doing quite a good job in mentoring early career for data visualization. And they have like specific Slack channels and specific Q&A and interview sessions for either early career or people just trying to switch into data visualization. So I would highly recommend that. Yeah, absolutely. What a great resource. I'll make sure that we link to that too. So people can check it out. And so maybe just moving from there, like, can you tell us a little bit about what's next for you? Like, are there any projects or upcoming focuses you're able to share? Yeah. So for the last few years, I've been like really obsessed with trying to figure out how to bring my visualizations out into the physical world, mainly born from a frustration of like, how like, because I can spend like, you know, months obsessing and creating a project. And I'd be really lucky if someone spends 10 seconds going through what I've built, right? Or like, I'll be really lucky if someone spends a minute reading through the article I spent like months writing. I mean, online is great because then I can reach a lot of people. But like, I think I, I wanted something that would be a bit more lasting in their memory. So for the last few years, like I, I wanted to pull it out into the physical world. And I, I've been dreaming of installations that people can walk through and be immersed in and really have it be a lasting memory. And so I actually went to New York last fall and there's a program, a master's program at NYU called ITP, which I'm sure a lot of people, you're listeners would be very familiar with and because they're a combination of art and technology. It was such an amazing master's program and I did an artist residency fellowship there and they let me audit two of their courses, one on physical computation, another on fabrication. And at the end of the semester, I got to work with two of the students to do a physical data installation of women in computing. So my goal going forward, because that was such a fun, amazing experience, my goal going forward is trying to figure out how I can make that, if not my main focus, then at least half and half between my digital practice and then having that be the other half of my practice. And I think that that's a really big new challenge for me, not as much on the kind of the technical or creative side, but rather from the business side in the sense that I've been for the last four years of freelancing, I've been working solo because I know how to manage myself. And I've been very scared about kind of forming a team to work with because I've always been like how would I convince other people that they would at all want to work with me on this dream I have and I've been like slowly trying to get over that anxiety and so my goal for the next few years um is to get to a point where I have an awesome team and partners to work with on bigger scale productions so that's not like next year goal that's like the next five or ten years sort of goal but my ultimate dream is to be able to make something like what I did at ITP, but have the collaborators and the resources to turn it into a production that like thousands or tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of people might come through. That's my big long-term goal. Yeah, that's super cool. That's amazing. I mean, we'll have to stay tuned because I know for sure we're going to see that, you know, come to fruition uh, probably sooner than you think. Thank you. I'm, I'm going to try and work really hard. And so maybe just to cap off this amazing episode, what's one thing that you wish you knew when you had started or what's a piece of advice that you would share with a younger version of yourself? 
there's a lot, I think. From a technical perspective, math. I actually uh, loved math growing up until high school. But then because I studied business, I kind of stopped taking as rigorous math classes. And when I started doing visualizations, I was like, what do you mean there's trigonometry? Why is there trigonometry? Like, <laughs> I was like, what? what is that thing again? Like, soca. Toka, Toa. Sometimes I would try to like do some visualization with like more complex layouts. And I'm like, why is there an integral in this math equation? So the very first thing is take that seriously, brush up on it. I think the second thing that I wish I knew when I was starting out is that for data visualization, it's just not as much about the people that are going to consume it at the end of the day as it is about the technical joy of it. I think when I started, I just did everything for the technical challenge and I didn't care about the end person. And so designing for that person in mind. I think the final one is like a very sappy one. Just believe in myself in the sense that I think I've been kind of raised to be like, oh, I'm just like one person. What can I even do? This data visualization, this little thing I do is just like a hobby of mine. It's not a big deal. And I think in the last few years, I've really kind of worked on that and been like, no, I might have grown up with society telling me that like as a girl, I'm not going to amount to much. But I am a very skilled woman with something really powerful that I can offer. And I should really believe in that. What an amazing message. I couldn't think of a better way to end this episode. And I know that community, everybody listening are going to love this. So Shirley, thank you so much for taking the time to share your story and your journey with us. I, I really had an amazing time chatting with you. Thank you so much, Franco. And thank you for such great questions and great follow-up questions too. I had a really great time also. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Tech Plus Art Podcast. We're a very small team behind this project, so we greatly appreciate all your support. If you love our content and these podcasts, consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts and sharing it with a friend or two. This really does go a long way in helping us get discovered and reach more creators. As always, you can find us online at maketechart.com or at maketechart everywhere else. See you soon.